0: Hey, guys, real quick break. Wanted to tell you about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place. The cool thing is it's actually for free, which you can use right from your phone, your computer. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll also distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard everywhere from Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Easily make money from your podcast. No minimum listenership. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started now. You're a husband, a father, best-selling author, ultramarathoner, lifestyle, physical therapist, and a legacy coach. Thank you again for your time, man. I really appreciate it.
1: My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. I wanted to go back a little bit because you mentioned on your website that you almost lost your sight because your brainstem had swelled up. How did this happen, man? And, and what's the perspective of life after that happened man for you
1: yeah that was that was kind of wild because I was um at the time I was running for for the for the university okay and I never realized how much of my life was centered around sight and it seems kind of weird for people who see all the time they're like yeah of course because that's <laughs> how we do everything right. but I never explored any like music I never like my ear wasn't very fine-tuned let's just say and so I I got to a point where everything that I knew I was losing. I do not know what it was. They, the, to this day, they don't know. They thought I had a mess. It was just from one day to the next, I was in class. I went to eat. When I got back, I started seeing double. And I remember that day, like I had to walk across campus from my class where I was all the way to to, uh, the other side of the, the campus to get my car. And I was walking and smashing into cars because I had no depth perception. Like I would see the car, but I would see multiple cars and I would bump into cars on my way over there. And I remember calling my mom and I was like, Hey, I don't know what the heck is going on. I told her, this is, this is me thinking as a college student. I think, I I think I can make it home. She's like, no, I'm (laughs) going to go take you to the hospital. You can't drive. Right. So I'm glad she came. She picked me up. We went, they did a whole bunch of tests, but it really shifted my perspective in that I realized that, first of all, I had all my eggs in the sight basket and I wasn't really exploring anything else. And from there, I kind of took a little bit more appreciation to music um, and started saying, okay, well, what else do I need to start exploring? Um, Because if I lost my sight, what would I do? What would I do? Yeah. And yeah, so it it was a wild time.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Right. And then you had lived in your car for three months. You traveled around national parks with a buddy, which, by the way, is awesome. Well, what what inspired you to do that, and what was that experience like?
1: You know what's 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 wild about that is I've always I've always had a, kind of like an adventurous spirit, but I've also been that that I was growing up, I was that kid that always wanted to please, and so you know I was on the straight and narrow track. I graduated college in three years, you know, I was going to start my master's and essentially I I wanted to go to uh, UNC Chapel Hill to do my master's over there for a certain program. In essence, I worked my butt off. I had great recommendations, had everything, and I didn't get in. I didn't get chosen to, to go into the school for my master's because of a misunderstanding of something that they were having. Basically, a lot of people were going in through one track and then switching over to another one because it was the harder one to get into. But I didn't want to do that. I wanted to go on the one that I said. So I got really jaded because everything in my life up to that point was, look, if you work hard and you do what you're supposed to do, you'll get what you're supposed to get. Yeah. And here, you know, I had been busting my butt. I had, you know, I graduated college in three years while being a full-time athlete. And uh, doing hours and working and doing, you know, my, 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 my degree in exercise and sports science. And it was just like, I needed to get away. Like I was frustrated. I was like, man, everything that I thought to be true, I can't trust anymore. And so it was a way of me running away physically, but also seeking to, to find a new home. I was, Mm -hmm. I was essentially searching for, Hey, where is the right place for me? Yeah. And it was it was amazing. I went with a buddy of mine that I ran college uh, track and cross country. We ran the national parks. We lived out of a car for three months, <laughs> and every day we'd run. Like that was part of it. it didn't matter what okay. happened, you'd run at least once, if not twice a day. And that's how we saw the world as we went through. know we're all the way down in miami yeah and so we started in colorado like we drove up and then we went colorado utah we went north to uh wyoming is it just right above yeah yeah wyoming and then we went all the way across to to idaho and then we went all the way to oregon down to california we stopped at vegas for three days (laughs) that was like (laughs) that was like the only time we stayed at a hotel Sure. <laughs> and then we went to go visit a buddy of mine in Texas, and then back back home. We did that for three months running the national parks, and wow, it it was. It was mind blowing. It was mind blowing the stuff that we saw, the adventures we had, the mishaps we've had. And I'll tell you actually, one of the things that that in that experience that really stood out was early on we were in Boulder. We were staying just outside the city in a tent. <laughs> okay. And so we we drove in and we were like, oh, let's go. And we we went to like some bar and we were just sitting there and we saw this guy in a like a suit and we just started talking to the guy. Turns out the guy is the CEO for Merrill Lynch. <laughs> There, the the I guess the local branch. We're talking to him. We're like, dude, this guy is like insanely like rich. He goes, What I wouldn't give to be in your guy's shoes. And we're like, the heck are you talking about? Like, you're CEO of Merrill Lynch, like yeah. you got no problems. And he's like, Man, I have more money than I that I'll ever need. He mm-hmm. goes, But what I don't have is what you guys have, which is time. He goes, yeah. even even though I have all the money, I can't take off three months like you guys and enjoy this. I want to, but I can't. I'm yeah. I'm a prisoner with that same money that I have, I'm a prisoner with it and I can't wow. do much with it. And I was like, holy cow. I yeah. never thought about that.
0: Wow. What a cool story, man. And I mean, definitely that's the the perspective that everybody thinks that you get all this money, you're successful in your workplace and it's freedom, but it's, I think it's the opposite a lot of times, man. What a, what an interesting uh, guy and a cool, ch- a cool chance for you guys to actually get to talk to him. That's pretty rad. I wanted to flash forward because you have this immersive coaching program uh, where you help married men live happier, more connected, more fulfilled lives what's this program about and, and what's the process look like for guys that are going through that program with you
1: sure so let's let's actually rewind for a second because yeah. i think the context of it makes all all the difference and per- perhaps diving into like what like what was the genesis of that and it was maybe five, six. six Six years ago. My son is five. So six, now maybe seven around that time. So my wife and I have a fitness and physical therapy studio we've had in in Miami for already now going for 13 years. Okay. And so I had create, we had created this business that for me, it allowed me to really serve people, but Mm -hmm. they got to a point that I felt I had created my own prison. I felt like I wanted to do more and I didn't know how to. And so I thought the business was the problem. And so now I started looking for any reason why, hey, this this is the reason why I'm not feeling happy or this is the reason why I don't like this and I can't do this. And it got me to a point where I was so, I'm going to, I'm going to use the word depressed, not clinically, but meaning I was less than my normal state to the point where I was rejecting new clients. I would sleep four or five hours in the middle of the day because I had no desire to do anything. Like I was so in a hole. Yeah so stuck and I couldn't see anything beyond that, that I was bankrupting our business. That's how bad it was. And to make matters worse, my wife was pregnant with our third child. And I I think one of the, the biggest things that I can look back now is I remember that like seeing the pain in her face because she didn't know what else to do. She's like, look, I know you're an amazing guy. I know that you're an amazing husband, an amazing dad, but you're not here anymore. Yeah. I, I don't like. I don't know what to do to help. And around that time, I had a coach that had reached out to me that 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 I had worked with in the past, and he was running a retreat in Thailand. And I had been in communication with him, and he said, "Look, I really think this this could really help bring a lot more clarity." And I told my wife, and she said, "Look, do you think that this can help? Like, do you believe that this will help you?" Yeah. And I go, yeah, I trust him. And I think this is exactly what I need. At, at the time we did not have the money for it because I'm pretty much bankrupting the business. Sure. Plus she's pregnant. And to add on top of that, during the time of the retreat, there's a good chance that the baby could be born there. So I could, there's a possibility of me missing the, if he comes early, Right. He comes early, which this is the third, which could easily happen. Sure. Because this is the third one. But in spite of all of that, she looked at me and she said, well, then you need to go. She goes, I would love for you to be there if it happens, but I would rather you show up as the man and the husband and the father that I know you to be than for you to stay here and be in the same place because we can't continue this way. Like not like she wasn't saying in our marriage, but like we as a family can't continue if you're in this state. So you need to do this for all of us. And to me, that was like a punch to the stomach. But to me, one of the greatest acts of courage that I experienced. Like, because I know how difficult it is for her as a pregnant woman. Sure. You know, we already done it twice. Like, it's not an easy thing. It's a huge toll on her. Yep. And for her to say, okay, go fly halfway around the world um, and be gone for two weeks. It's not three days. This is two weeks. Wow. And for her to do that, I was like, okay, you know what? I, now I, now I really got to step it up. And so I went over there and I quickly realized the number one, that the business wasn't the problem. It was me. Like the business wasn't it. In fact, the business was, was amazing. I'm helping people in the way that I, one of the ways that I really wanted to, but I realized that part of the missing piece, Part of the fulfillment component was this other part of me serving other men very similar to myself in that they are entrepreneurs. They're very family centric and they want to have vibrant marriages. They want to have vibrant businesses. They want to have great relationships with their kids and their wife and have that that I'm not going to use the word balance, but that, that engagement that perhaps very often is said, no, that's, that's not possible. Or you know what, sacrifice one and then do the other one later. Yeah. I, and I realized that there are other men very, that have similar values to myself that if they understood the process in which to go through the process that I wish I had, then it would make it that much quicker to go through that and minimize kind of the strain on the family. Cause that's usually the one that goes, right? Because, very often, men kind of put the providing over the nurturing, mm-hmm. and it's part of a role situation. But I think there's more and more men that also want to provide more nur- uh, nurturing for their kids yep. and for their for their for their uh, marriage and so forth. And so, when I was there, I had the space and the environment to help me create and say, "Okay, wait, what is the process? First of all, that I went through, and then second What is the process that, that if I had, I didn't have to go through these stuff. Like if I knew this, I wouldn't have to go through all these hardships. I could fast track and then get to the part that I really want to get to and work and use my energy on building my marriage, building my, my health, building my, my relationship with my kids and, and then building a business that actually is fulfilling. so that's really where it came about. Okay. And so does that give you a little bit more context for like kind of the, 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 the process for it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now you have these, these guiding principles of your coaching there that are, you know, leave a legacy, awaken your adventure and inspire integrity. Why are those three so important for you?
1: What was interesting when I, when I wrote the book, when I wrote the book *The Legacy Code*, I interviewed uh, 150 guys from different walks of life, and what I found was that number one legacy tended to be something on top of mind on two two main groups of men: fathers. More, pretty much, actually, every single father that I interviewed, like legacy was part of their 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 thought process because now there was something that they were leaving behind. They were kids, yeah. right? The other group was in this particular case ended up being Christian other 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 men that believed in God something greater than themselves sure you know i can extrapolate that if you if you think of something greater than yourself, then legacy is something greater than yourself. You're more likely to think about it as opposed to if you only think about yourself, Mm -hmm. right? The group that didn't really express their thought process on legacy were tended to be kind of like single guys that were younger and were kind of figuring out the world. That wasn't in their top of, they weren't in that stage of their life yet. All that to say that legacy in and of itself has two main components. Legacy has what I call the personal legacy and the impact legacy. And I think I think that's where when we look at this concept of legacy, you have to understand which one we're talking about, right? Right. So let, let me just define the two and then we can dive in a little bit deeper on those and then I'll go into the integrity and that venture component, if that's okay?
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, man. Yeah. I, I, you got me hooked, man. I'm a father <laughs> and, and legacy is, is definitely top of, list
1: for, top of list for me too. Okay, so one thing that we have to understand is that legacy is gonna happen no matter what. Now, legacy can be short-lived or it can extend for time and time and time, but we have two different types. We have personal legacy and impact legacy. When most people think of legacy, they think of impact legacy. They think of like the Bill Gates or the Steve Jobs who created like this business that now like everyone knows about. And, you know, in the case of like Bill Gates that he's, created this foundation that's been able to help people in X amount of way, right? That's amazing in my in my belief and my in my value system, I think that is in vain if you neglect the personal legacy. And what the personal legacy is how do you impact the people closest to you? Mm-hmm. The people that matter most to you? Like if you're helping all these people outside, but you're neglecting your family, I think you're missing a big part of this yeah. because what good is it? I mean, you can say society, you're you're helping society, but the people that matter most in your life, if you're ignoring them and you're neglecting them, I think there's a big hole there. Mm-hmm. And so what I encourage guys to say is, Start from the inside out and say, okay, wait, how do I go from my, what I call my, my top five, my core five group of people or, you know, set of people like they, they can be friends. They can be close family. They're that, that top, let's say top five core group of people that are your most intimate inner circle. Yeah. Those group that those people need to come first. Mm-hmm. Second is family and friends. Then from there, perhaps maybe business and, and connection associates and then from their society yeah. at large. If you skip, I think you're doing yourself a disservice because at the end of the day, when you are a father, if you do everything for everyone else and you don't support your kids, I believe that your kids are one of your greatest legacy. I mean, if they are the living version of what you believe in and taught and very often, yeah, and that's what you get to pass on, that's what you get to teach. And if you fail there, obviously you're helping other people, but I feel like you've lost.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. At least in my, in my mind, it's like, no, no, look, right. Like you've lost because the one responsibility is the person that you brought into this world. Like that's no one's responsibility, but yours. Right. So if you fail that one, you've actually failed the society because that person becomes a citizen that is now not contributing or is worse, draining the community, draining the society. And so start with your primary responsibilities first, which are that core group of people first. Mm -hmm. You understand kind of the difference and why that could be important?
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, I love this. You wrote this book called The Legacy Code. You mentioned it earlier there. It's the the modern man's guide to escape obscurity and live a life uh, unleashed. And I went and read the sample and I purchased the book right away because it just sounds amazing. It actually is being delivered today. But uh, for those who don't know the book, what's this book about? What's the inspiration behind this book?
1: Two things. Number one, I had been working with with my clients for a few years already. Look, coaching is a luxury, right? We could argue that says, you know, you'll get a lot of benefit from it. And so you can maybe say, oh, that's kind of a necessity. But nobody, nobody ever died because they didn't get coaching. Right. You know, before there were coaches, people survived just fine. Coaching is not for surviving. Coaching is for thriving. That's really what it is. It's how do you fast track? How do you amplify your strengths? How do you amplify your, your impact? Coaching can give you the clarity, direction and support that you need to do that. Right. So as long as we understand that, number one, coaching is a luxury. Uh, like we're, we're starting it from the same place. Mm-hmm. So I was working with guys, not everyone can afford coaching. And now everyone is ready for it. And I said, yep. you know what, regardless, I would really like to get this information out. And so essentially what I did was I put down a process that I take my men through, which are basically five, five main components. It breaks it down to these five main components, which are awareness, vision, purpose, process, and then implementation. Okay. Wow. Because you have to, you have to first have the awareness of things. Yeah. Right. If you don't know what you don't know, then you can't take actions towards it. Right. Yep. And then you need to create a vision, the destination that you're trying to reach, right. Yep. That, that thing that is going to inspire you, that thing greater than yourself that you're going to aspire to and the person that you need to become to get there. Right. Cause that's all that the journey is like, we always think about the destination because that's, kind of the thing, right. but really the journey is preparing us to be ready for that. If you look at any any uh, story, any epic, any myth, what you'll find is that there's always hardship and struggle to get to this one thing, but each time it makes them stronger so they can become the champion, the person that needs to be, to reach and really thrive in this final destination, right? Yeah. And, but we need to know where it is because that destination provides a direction. If you don't have a destination, you don't know which way, if you're getting closer or further, if you're, you know, how do you set a plan for something that you don't even have a direction for, right? So the vision is what creates that. The the purpose is the engine. It's what drives you. It's the thing that's going to get you going after every time you get knocked down, right? You know, nobody has a problem going when everything is good. Yep. (laughs) but everything isn't going to go good. Right. Isn't going to go well. Isn't going to go smooth. It's, you know, it's the, the, what is it? The Mike Tyson line, you know, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: (laughs) And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh, now what? Now I gotta, now I have to bob and weave. Now I have to, Hey, I thought I was going to be able to go do this. And when you're in there and you know, punches are being thrown and uh, you're the one that's getting hit. You're not the, you're not, you're not watching th- from the sidelines and saying, Oh yeah, I would have done this. I would have done that. Yeah. There's a lot of people that say that they would have done it until they get hit. Sure. And then what? All right. <laughs> so that purpose is the thing that drives you that after you get hit and you get knocked down, you get back up like Rocky and you're like, all right. And you know, you, you gotta be essentially like that Rocky willing to take the hits, get back up and keep coming and keep coming and keep coming until you either completely knock out the, the obstacle Or you're just so persistent that the obstacle gives way. Right. Right? Yep. And then uh, the process, right? So this is the journey. And it seems pretty straightforward, but not all journeys are the same. Yeah. And the thing is that often you get to choose it, but we don't notice. Like we tend to, if you don't choose it, the journey is going to be chosen for you. In which case now you've relinquished that power to choose Something quite powerful because if I told you, Eric, listen, I can make you, I I can make you a millionaire by the end of the year. You're going to make one million dollars at the end of the year. Option A: We're going to make a million dollars, but we are going to uh, exploit women and children. Option B: We're going to make a million dollars, but we're going to help women and children. At the end, we have a million dollars. It's not the same journey.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely.
1: (laughs) Right. So that that like having the power to having the power and the clarity to say no no this is the journey i want to choose because it aligns with my values and then sticking with it is is first of all very empowering but like it is very life changing because you get to choose that path that you want to do right yep and then the last thing is the implementation right cuz all of this and up to this point is theory all of this right. is theory sure. but until you take that first step, the journey is not real. Like you have to start taking those steps and you're free to make some shifts. That's part of what the game is about. Right. Right. Um, you know, throw another fight analogy because I know that that's, that's, that's in your wheelhouse, (laughs) but you know, you go in one, uh, you know, uh, a a perfect example if you, you watched, uh, the McGregor cowboy Cerrone fight. Yeah. Right. What happened? You know, hey, you knew that that McGregor was going to come out fast. You knew that Cowboy starts slow, but he had no idea that he was going to come and get smashed in the nose how many times uh with his shoulder. Right. Like, all of a sudden, he has to adjust. But at that point, it was too late. You know, it wasn't. I mean, he's an amazing fighter. Yeah. At that point, it was too late to adjust, yep. you
0: know? Yep. Wow. So, man so powerful i'm so excited to read that book i am gonna slam through that thing and study that thing because just off the sample and what you've been telling me today it, the book sounds amazing uh wanted to ask a, a little bit of a more personal question how did your dad influence you in your life
1: yeah that was the second part of why i wrote, wrote it um my dad growing up was i like unfortunately into in, in much of today's society i i come across more and more men who had the exact opposite of what I had, which is either dad wasn't there or their dad wasn't a positive role model. In fact, it was somebody that they had a lot of conflict with. Yeah. I feel very fortunate because my father is a man of high integrity and high principles and left to my own devices, I would have taken the easier route. In fact, growing up, I remember taking the easier route and it was like, no, that's not the route that we take. He said, "If you do that here, you do this over here, and that does yeah. that that's not that's not the type of person that you want to be. That's not right. the person I know you to be and so it's like that constant reminder of not just words, I would see it, I would see it like um I think one of the things that impacted me greatest about him was his action, and there's a lot of people who say exercise and work like he would wake up before me." before anyone and he would start training at three in the morning four in the morning um, so that it wouldn't impede like on our time family time yeah and then i started getting older he's like hey do you want to come and train with me in the morning and most of the times i would say no because he wanted to train really early and i wanted to sleep (laughs) but his persistence was every morning he'd knock on the door hey you want to come and train it's like five in the morning at this point because he's already trained some he's coming to back to to get me yeah uh no i want to sleep okay next day knock 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 hey you want to go on a train no (laughs) the next day knock knock knock. hey you want to train no eventually you're like fine i'm already awake for like the hundredth time all right i'll go with you and then it's like ooh, this feels good then another week or two week goes by knock 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 no i don't want to go and (laughs) then it's like hey do you want to go to a race Oh, a race. Okay. I could do a race. Yeah. And then it's like, Oh, that sparks interest. And that extends it for a little bit longer, but it, it wasn't about the race. It wasn't like, he wasn't the dad that always was like, Oh, like you have to do this, or you have to do this. It was, there was always something to be learned about the situation. And so mm-hmm. he had the patience to, to always do that. And as I got older, that I would train more. It provided more time because we'd go out for a run for an hour. Yeah. And it's like, what do you do? We're running, we're talking. Like we're not, it was never like you uh, have headphones. Like to me, that's mind blowing. Like if you're going to go running with somebody, like I see it all the time and people each put on their headphones right. and they don't talk to <laughs> each other, they don't do anything. I'm like, you missed the point of running together. <laughs> Absolutely. It's to commune with each other, right? Yep. Oh. So so I, like we built a really solid um relationship be based off a lot of the training that we did because it represented a lot more focused time there's nothing to distract us because we were focused on the task and then we had time to kill in that task because we were out for for a while and then we would cycle and then we would do triathlons and then we would do and so there was like oh let's research this and so there was always this 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 togetherness about the whole process. Now I'm the oldest of four. Okay. I had my my parents had me young. They got married they had me when they were 22. Okay. So my dad said, you know, he said to me he goes, you know, you don't realize this but you helped me because I grew up with you. Mm-hmm. Because he was like a little kid too. So it was like sure. But my other siblings didn't have this like it wasn't that he didn't because he always talked with all of us. Right. but the fact that i did a lot more training and since i was the oldest i just had more time literally under my legs having these conversations with them yeah that that it made that that bond a lot closer and so he, like that was a big thing like you'll notice as you read the book there are many stories about my father and i hmm. and really it was to to pay homage to to that relationship and to give like thanks because yeah. I would not be where I am if it wasn't for him. Um, my mom contributed a lot, mm. but there was an intimate relationship partly because I mean, a man to man relationship Yeah. that I feel like not that many people had a, lo- a lot of men that I con- encounter with didn't have that. I wanted to share number one, that number one, it's possible. And so if you're a father, like there is another option. It doesn't have to be, oh, whatever. The kids are over there and I do my own thing. Right. It, you can do your thing and include them.
0: Yes. Yep.
1: When, by the way, when appropriate. Right. Some right. things that's not appropriate <laughs> for kids, but. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm a, I get up at 4 a.m. every day, six days a week, I guess I should say, but uh, do my thing, my internet business, my, you know, my website, stuff like that. And then that way, when it's time for off work, it's family time. You know, you put everything away. You get involved with your kids and be, try to be present. Right. And then, you know, I coach my son's baseball, so that's kind of our special thing that uh, we do. He loves the sport, so. Uh, but you've done some crazy stuff in your life. You've ran fifty miles in a day. You've slept on a a cliff. Um, you've surfed you surfed during a hurricane. How do you prepare right. mentally to do all this stuff?
1: This is that that component of adventure yeah. that I think. So when when most people when you hear the word adventure, that's what most people think of. Sure and so that is a part of adventure but there's underlying principles behind that that i want to share yeah um and so this is my way of tapping into it so um when i say adventure i see adventure as a mindset of curiosity possibility mm. and so it's more about the growth the learning and putting yourself in a situation where you're probably gonna fail, or you're probably um, gonna endure some suffering. In fact, I would argue that without suffering, there is probably not true adventure. Because in that yeah. suffering, in that obstacle, in that, in that point where you have to make a decision that imminently shifts the trajectory of the way you think, or the way you live, or the way you will continue to live as a result of it. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things I remember, I can say this that I know that most people have not. I have actually, um, this was before I was married. Okay. I have actually made a video, which I cannot find it. um, A death video because I was on a mountain and I genuinely thought I was going to die. I was in Colorado Okay. and um, I was in Colorado Springs, and I was running up Pikes Peak. Now, this is a flatlander from Miami. I was I was stationed out in Colorado Springs uh, doing an internship out there, okay. and I had seen fresh snowfall, and I was like, man, I've never run in snow. <laughs> that seems like it would be awesome, and I had run up Pikes Peak before. Now, Pikes Peak is a 14er, so 14,000 okay. feet, Yeah. And I've run it before. It's 13 miles to the summit and obviously 13 miles back. Um, And I was like, okay, I've done this before, so I know the route. Obviously, I didn't know that the snow was going to be so bad. And so what happened was. In my mind, I thought it would take me three hours to get to the top. Sure. And I planned I did it after work and I said, oh, there is a trolley. That gets that that leaves from the top and it'll take you back down. So I said, Oh, if I leave this and I do three hours, I'll have like 30 minutes to spare. I know. I didn't really plan well, but (laughs) in my mind I thought, uh I'm giving myself an extension with three hours, but you know, I'll still have like another 30 minutes. Right. It ended up taking me five hours. Oh my gosh. And I ran out of water, I ran out of food. I was trudging through knee deep snow. I had shorts on. So every time I would step, the ice, the edge of the, like as your foot would sink in, yeah. the edge of the hole was sharp and it would scrape the front of my shin. So my front of my shins uh, is, is I, I'm completely dehydrated. And I'm like, plus you have the altitude. You know, yeah. you get 11, 12,000 feet, you're already loopy. So yep. dehydrated, loopy, exhausted. And, and then I'm still thinking I got to get to the top and then I don't know how I'm going to get down yet because I missed the train. Right. I missed the train. And cause there's a, there's a, there's a little store up there. There's a little restaurant. Okay. So I was like, maybe, maybe I can hitchhike down. <laughs> and so I start I make this video. I was like, look, I don't know what the heck is going to happen. So I make this video, I keep trudging along. I finally make it to the top and the restaurant is closed and my heart sinks. And I'm like, dude, I am so dehydrated. I'm so, there's no way I'm going to be able to make this down. Yeah. And I go around and there's one car on the lot. And just then I see one guy walking to his car and I'm like, I approach him very, very, uh, slowly because i mean i'm from miami if anyone approaches you like there's already like (laughs) you're putting your hands up you don't know what's going on right (laughs) so i'm thinking like that and the guy was super nice he's like yeah of course i can take you down to the to the base of a mountain and to me that was like a crazy experience now again i what i wasn't married and i didn't have kids at that moment yeah um since then It's not to say I haven't done crazy things, but they're more measured. (laughs) They're a little bit more measured. Right. uh, Because I have kids and because, you know, my wife is like, you know, I want to see you come home.
0: Right. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) So, and I want to come home. It's not like I don't. Uh, So, yeah. So the point that I was getting at, so the mindset of possibility, curiosity, and that growth mindset is what I believe the core of adventure is. And then sprinkle in a little bit of suffering to make that elevated. And I think you have a recipe for success. Yeah. I find that physical feats help me grow in a way that really resonates with me. It gives me time to think, assess, and grow through this obstacle in a very kinesthetic way. Mm -hmm. It's one of the ways that I learn quite well is kinesthetically. I'm a hands-on kind of person. And these experiences provide me that kinesthetic experience that make it very real for me versus just hearing something is nice, but it doesn't sink in the same way.
0: Right. Wow. Wow. Man, so cool. And I wanted to uh, shift to just a few fun questions before we end today. Pod decks. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of them, but they're oh. for podcasters, and they're basically pre-written questions at random. I'm going to pull one of these out, and we'll see. Okay. Sometimes they're win, sometimes they're not, and um, we'll see what it says here. So this one says,
1: what makes you feel old? <laughs> what makes you feel old? Um, Actually, you know what, what's really made us feel old is, um, hiring, okay. hiring and you, you know, people come in cause our ideal, um, employee team member is actually a, a, um, a grad student. Okay. And, and I remember remarking to my wife at one of the interviews that we were doing, I was like, I just feel like they're they're so young. And she goes, yeah, cause you're getting so You're getting old. You're getting older. <laughs> yeah. Like, remember the gap keeps getting bigger and bigger. Every time we hire every year, somebody new. Yeah, And it's like, yeah, I get that. But I always, like, personally, I feel young. I'm going to be sure. 40 in, in 13 days, less, okay. than, less than two weeks. Happy early birthday, man. Thank you. Thank you. And to me, it's, I, I, I feel like I'm one of the kids. You know, like I, I don't feel old. I don't feel like, you know, do I have some aches? Yeah, of course. But I push my body too. So it's like, I. it's not that I'm hurting and I'm not doing anything. I'm doing right. stuff. I'm pushing my body. So there's some aches here and there.
0: Yep, Yep. absolutely. I just turned 40 in December, so uh, I definitely, but I feel like when I turned 40, I got rejuvenated. I'm like energized now. I'm like, all right, hey, it's a new era. It's time to make some changes, and so I feel good (laughs) about that. You kind of mentioned this earlier, but music, I'm a big music guy. Do you have a favorite band or favorite type of music that you like to listen to?
1: I will tell you that I am in that pursuit. I've tried one of the things that i'm in the process of doing is learning how to play guitar okay and it's really opened my eyes because i found that i like something with grit and soul so blues uh really speaks to me so stevie ray vaughn uh john mayer like these guitarists uh uh, bb king like these guys that just like with every strum, with every lick of the guitar, like there's a pouring of emotion and you're like, Ooh, I feel that. And remember I said, I'm a very kinesthetic person. So feeling yeah. is an important part of this for me. And yeah. so I think I've gravitated towards that because it's my way of connecting the kinesthetic component
0: mm-hmm.
1: to the auditory so that I make that connection, which I'm not normally that auditory kind of person. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So it's a way of connecting it. To bridge the gap, um, so those would be ones. I mean, I like Dave Matthews, uh, Biggie, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, Jay Z. Back, you know, back in the day. Sure. Though a lot of those I I don't listen to anymore because I don't really listen to that kind of music. Yeah. Uh, let's say music with with much words around kids to around the kids because mm-hmm. I just <laughs> I just rather not. Yeah. So Miles Davis, yeah. I play a lot of Miles Davis.
0: Yeah. Awesome, man. I actually had the opportunity to see BB King live back in 99, and he was amazing to see live. It was really, really cool to see that guy. But, uh, man, Armando, it is such an honor to have you on the show, man. Your story, your passion, your book, The Legacy Code coming out, or it's already out. People can go yeah. buy it at Amazon right now. I'm looking forward to deep diving into that. Thank you again for your time, man.
1: I really appreciate that. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. Guys, thank you so much for hanging around. Really appreciate it. If
0: you'd like to see more videos from Top Rated MMA and The Bearded Biz Show, please click the playlist and also hit subscribe to our channel. Become part of the Top Rated MMA and Bearded Biz community. We would really appreciate your support. Also, please leave a comment below. I will read and respond to all of them. Thank you so much. Have an awesome day.